Good morning, good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Monica T, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. And today is Friday, the 12th day of February 2016. And today we are reading from the big book. We are in the chapter more about alcoholism. We are on page 31, and we will be starting with the first full paragraph. And today's readers are... The Twelve Steps, Cheryl R., The Twelve Traditions, Barbara N., and our text readers are Kathleen W., Kathy K., and Chrissy M., and our newcomer greeter is Devorah S. And the reference number for yesterday, Thursday, the 11th of February, is 8455, 8455. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that People who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Cheryl R. to please read the 12 steps for us. Thank you, Monica. Hi, I'm Cheryl R. from Virginia, the 12 steps. Step one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Step two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Step three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Step four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Step five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Step six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Step seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Step eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Step nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Step ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Step 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Step 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, 
we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Cheryl R. I will now ask Barbara N. to read the 12 traditions, please. Thank you, Monica. This is Barbara N. in New York. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, An OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. (coughs) Excuse me. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at a level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media of communication. 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. That I pass. Thank you, Barbara N. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinent requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinent requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that you share and be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. And once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass and then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the one who is speaking, should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book. We are in the chapter, More About Alcoholism. We are on page 31, and we will be reading the first full paragraph that starts, Despite All We Can Say, and I will ask Kathleen W. to read for us. Good morning. Monica, can you hear me? This is Kathleen W. You're loud and clear. Okay, great. Kathleen W. recovered in Arizona. 
despite all we can say, many who are real alcoholics are not going to believe they are in this class. By every form of self-deception and experimentation, they will try to prove themselves exceptions to the rule, therefore non-alcoholic. If anyone who is showing inability to control his drinking can do the right about face and drink like a gentleman, our hats are off to him. Heaven knows we have tried hard enough and long enough to drink like other people. I can really relate to... um, I didn't believe that I was in this class, and I tried every form of self-deception and experimentation, and I'm going to add in their research. (laughs) And heaven knows we have tried hard enough and long enough to drink like other people. I was in such denial over the years that I could I thought I could somehow, some way, eat like a normal person. Um, but I had never studied the doctor's opinion and learned what was wrong with me. And yesterday when I was preparing for this, I just wrote down some of my research in experimentation and self-deception that I tried. I tried a commercial weight loss center that didn't work because I was binging on some of their foods and my weight was not going down, it was going up whenever they weighed me, which was humiliating. Pills, laxatives, Epicac, binging on weekends and quote-unquote being good Monday through Friday, letting myself only binge on weekends, which always extended to the weekdays due to my allergy that I didn't know I had, restricting exercise, alcohol, diet food, and the list goes on to infinitum. I was in such denial for years and I thought I could eat like a normie because I never knew about the doctor's opinion. I had never studied the big book. And um, and I didn't realize that I had this allergy and that whenever I ingested my trigger foods, I didn't even know what my trigger foods were. Um, it set on it set off the phenomenon of craving and I wouldn't be able to stop eating. And then I would get mentally, I would get the mental obsession and it was just crazy. I didn't believe I was in this class and I lived in self-deception and experimentation with the food thinking I can I could control my eating on self-will. It was self-will over in riot actually. And I thought I was the only one in this entire universe that had this thing. I didn't know I was one of us and I didn't know I had this malady. The good news is is that there is a solution, and I can choose to live. I, I can choose not to live that way anymore. And there is a solution for this malady, and it's in this big book. And I'm so grateful for that. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Kathleen W. And I now will open this up. And who would like to share on this paragraph? This is Bella. Can I share? Gotcha, Bella. Larry. Larry. I didn't hear you. Speak up, please. Cherry P. Something P. Cherry? Sherry? Terry? Spell it, please. C-A-R-R-I-E. Oh, Carrie. Okay, you're very, very distant sounding. Anybody else? Janice M. Janice. Okay, we'll start with that. Bella, Larry K., Carrie P., Janice M. Okay, Bella, you're up, and then it'll be Larry. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. My name is Bella G., and I'm a thankful recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, Monica, for doing this service, and thank you very much, everybody on the line. 
Heaven knows. Yes, heaven knows. You know, before I came to the program, and even in the beginning, when I came to the program, when I still didn't work the steps, when I still didn't have a sponsor, and I didn't really looking hard to, to have a sponsor, I was just, I just came to the meeting. You know, I, I didn't want to accept that I am in that class. Yes, okay, I, I, I accept myself and I, that yes, I, I am an overeater and yes, most probably I have a problem with, you know, with the food that it's coming to, to that they gain weight like cakes and bread and sugar and ice cream. But I didn't want to accept that I have alcoholic food for me, that I have those kind of food, of food that they are triggering for me. And I didn't want to accept. I said, oh, no, I don't have a trigger food. I am not in that class. And heaven knows that, you know, I, I wasn't honest with myself, and I wanted to prove again and again and again to myself only that I am not in that class. I don't have my alcoholic food. You know, if I will take care of the real food of cakes and ice cream, etc., I will lose weight. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. As soon as I started to work the 12 steps and to live the 12 steps, and I got the real program, I saw that, yes, you know, I can't. I am a compulsive overeater, and I have to, you know, to to be connected to the real power, to the higher power, that it's higher than myself, that for me, he is God, and not to be connected anymore to my ego. Thank you, thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Bella G. Larry K., you're up, and then it'll be Carrie P., Hey, Monica, good morning. Thank you for your service. Um, so, it, yeah, it, you know, this self-deception and experimentation deal, you know, um, human beings of our type seem to, you know, become really good at, at kind of cordoning off negative information and creating illusions to help us to cope, you know, with a, with, with a truth that we wish to avoid at all costs. And I know that was the case for me. And this self-deception is clear evidence of the insanity part of the deal you know, that's inherent in this disease in step one. And in looking back, I, I carried the delusion that, that every time I chose to binge on, uh, on pizza and M&Ms and this and that, you know, somehow it wouldn't, it, wouldn't, um, it wouldn't affect me. It wouldn't own me this time. That this time I'd be able to moderate. This time, you know, I can beat the game. You know, so, so what is it to be delusional? I mean, a delusion by definition is is some type of fixed or, or false, you know, irrational conviction that we have that, you know, that, that can't be squared with our objective reality, and yet we cling to it anyway. And it, it's, a, it's a psychological phenomenon in human beings, and it's evidence of this, this dangerous degree to which I'm capable of, of massive amounts of self-deception, you know. So how is it that I, as a compulsive overeater, can go right on believing a lie in the face of, of, of evidence to the contrary. Well, that's the power of the ego. You know, when objective facts threaten the ego, I dismiss those facts as being incompat- incompatible with, with, you know, with my myth. 
And the 12 steps are an ego deflation process. That's what we learn. It's an ego deflation process of surrender that results in a spiritual transformation. You know, no spiritual transformation, no alignment with, with our higher power, then, then, you know, then the delusion has space to, to grow and kind of metastasize like a cancer. But through these steps, the delusional thinking can be, you know, rendered powerless. That's what I've experienced. You know, it's like we were blind and, and for the first time we're given the power to see, to, to separate the true from the false. That's what the steps do in its action. It's not just showing up here every morning and listening. That's great. But if we never take the action, we remain blind. So with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry Kay. Carrie P., you're up, and then it'll be Janice M. Good morning, my fellow travelers. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Good morning. Delusion, denial, deception. I spent uh, my late 20s in a center for eating addictions and disorders, and I came out of there and worked my exercise purge and my favorite time in my life is when I was pregnant and I could eat for two. <laughs> you know, unfortunately, I haven't been pregnant in 15 years, but I continued to eat for two. And, um, you know, women my age, I'm in my 50s now, and, and women my age, we seem to just creep up on the weight. And, uh, you know, I saw somebody who looked fabulous who told me she was going to OA. And somebody else directed me to this line. And I got to tell you, you know, the, the denial has been smashed. I can't tell you how much I love working with other women in this program because they're telling me everything I am. And I just want to thank everybody on this line. I'm going to start to cry this has saved my life, and it's given me a perspective that, you know, like I've heard others say, the ego has just been put down, and my life has been rocketed into a fourth dimension. In so many aspects, I can't begin to expound upon it, but I just want to thank everybody on this line and for being here every morning, and I love you all. Thank you. Thank you, Carrie P. And Janice M., you're up. Well, good morning, Monica and everyone. My name is Janice M., and I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. To, oh, to, to a word, despite, despite all we can say, despite reading this book, despite going to meetings, despite the sponsor giving you her experience, despite anything, which means regardless, <clears throat> pardon me, what did I do? I stepped, I still kept trying to fix myself. When, <clears throat> pardon me, um, I, 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 I fought it. I fought the truth. See, I didn't want to be a compulsive overeater. I wanted to prove to you, to the world, that I can do this myself. And that's what is insane. See, we talked about all those words of illusion and delusion and insanity and obsession. Well, that's what it is. I had an obsession that part of my brain 
was telling me to do something, oh, talking to me. And guess what? I would do it. (laughs) And then I would deny it. I would deny the truth. I would defy it. I would defend it and say that, you know, um, but you don't understand. I have this in my life and this in my life. And, you know, no matter what the solution was offered to me, no matter all the information, I still refuse to say, okay, and do what I had to do. And then it's going to go on to the methods that we tried. It's a vicious cycle. The more I ate, this is my experience, the more I would eat, the worse it would get all the time. Then I would eat some more, and then it would get worse. That was the cycle. That was the vicious cycle that I lived in for years. And I was always looking for that earthly fix that can bring this cycle to an end. And, you know, we know, I know, at least today, there is no human power. I am beyond that. When I cross that line of becoming a pickle instead of a cucumber, there's nothing I could do. I can't go back to being a cucumber, ever, ever. Sorry, not even if I get older, and I'm older than I was 30 years ago, right? Nope, didn't work then. Doesn't work if I've if if I've been uh, abstinent, uh, temporary, which is temporary, for a year. Doesn't happen then. Nothing worked. So what I did is I kept believing, believing the lie. That's what an allu- That's the obsession. That's the insanity. Insanity doesn't mean I'm crazy. Insanity means that just when it comes to this particular illness, I can't do anything about it. You know, I I do good uh, other things supposedly by the grace of God, but uh, the grace of God is going to fix this too, not me. And um, we're going to hear about uh, different stories in the future. So we deluded ourselves. That means I believed, believe is B-E-L-I-E, that little word in believe is a lie, L-I-E. I believe the lie in my head. And, boy, I, I sat in the rooms and said, someday, somehow, I'm going to fix me. I'm going to fix me. Never happened until I got into the steps. With that, I will pass, and thank you. Thank you, Janice. M? Okay. Who else would like to share on this paragraph? Mary Kay. Mary Kay. Leanne. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. James. Okay, I heard Mary Kay, Vasa. Leanne, James, anybody else? Okay, we'll go with that. Mary Kay, and then Vasa, you're up next. Good morning, everyone. This is Mary Kay, grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater from western New York, south of Buffalo. I'm just so thankful uh, for everyone in the rooms, and thanks for this reading, this paragraph today. And I just want to add into the conversation is some of the other delusions that that have been part of certainly have been part of my past and I expect are part of others as well. The delusion that that I even when people tried to intervene with me and they could see how much I was suffering and I was I knew it, I didn't want to know it, didn't want to do anything differently and and I Hold hold on a second, please. I'm sorry. Mary Kay, hang on a second. Um, Somebody is unmuted. Please, will everybody mute your phones? Can everybody please mute your phones? We have a lot of background noise. 
If you're not the speaker right now, please mute your phone. Okay, thank you. I'm sorry, Mary Kay, go ahead. Yes, that's okay, thank you. Um, what I wanted to say was the the delusion that, and, and what I would tell myself is, I. I, I I don't have the energy to diet right now. I I can't I can't take care of that. It, it takes so much energy. I can't do my job. I can't. I'm I'm crazy when I diet, and that was before I knew the steps. That was before I I, I lived in a spiritual solution. To before I even knew that that this was a disease, and that I have had an obsession of the mind that was triggered by an allergy of the body, and and it took the steps and it took the program, it took the breaking of my ego to to take me to a place now where it's just a miracle. It's not hard because I've been given a gift every day of neutrality. I've been given, it, it's just, I don't need, people ask me, how many, you know, my gosh, you're, you're, you're losing weight, you know, and, and that's not even the important part. But I don't even know how many calories I'm eating a day. I don't know. I don't worry about it anymore because I just live the spiritual life. I put down my abstinent foods, and I'm so grateful. And and the recovery is happening, and I'm living a recovered life every day. Thank you. I pass. Thank you, Mary Kay. Vasa O, you're now up, and Leanne, you will be next. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. Thank you, Monica, for your service. And I'm grateful for recovering, recovering compulsive overeater calling from Florida. I was just so naive. I did not know anything about food addiction. I didn't know anything about disease, the allergy. I, I, you know, these were like new things that I learned, denial, uh, delusion, deception, ego. You know, I had to look those things up in the dictionary, what it meant, you know. I just was so naive. Uh, and then when I, again, I knew I had food problems because I tried to put it down and I couldn't, and I tried to do it for many, many, many years. And I could identify with people finally. I mean, I was so relieved to find out what was wrong with me, you know. Uh, you know, it was just amazing. I was I was just so excited to find the solution finally to my problem. And I, yes, I did become abstinent right from the first meeting. And I, I know that was a gift from God, from my, my higher power, because I kept on hearing, you know, if you keep on going, it's going to kill you, it's going to kill you, you know. And I, I was afraid. I didn't want to die. And, and, and I remember reading like, you know, what level of alcoholic I was. You know, I tried to, you know, substitute the food. And I I crossed the line. You know, there's no turning. Turning, you know, I mean, I knew if I kept on doing, I was going to die if I kept on doing what I was doing. So I, I, I knew I was a real food addict, you know. And, uh, and it was getting progressive if I did not come to Overeaters Anonymous. So um, I thank God every single day that my life is so changed today because of the 12 steps. You know, yes, I did have spiritual experience right away, but 
the awarenesses, the awakenings I've been able to get through going through the 12 steps. It's amazing going from, you know, going practicing the 12 steps one step at a time as they're laid out. I mean, I, I just, I feel like I'm not the same person I used to be. Got a job, you know, went back to school. It's not just about putting the food. That was, I, there was nothing more that I wanted in those years just to put the food down. But the benefits of putting the food down that I've received over the years, it's amazing. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Vasa O. Leanne, you're up. I did not get the last initial, your, the initial of your last name. Could you tell us that, please, Leanne? And then it'll be James. S as in Sam. Thank you, Leanne S. Go ahead. Oh, thank you. Um, I didn't share in a long time because everybody says everything. But um, I just have to say that coming into this program, I was 72 pounds, 74 pounds, hospitalized in a very highly trained, you know, um, hospital who thought they know what they were doing to treat an anorexic but you know I why was it that I would sneak into the kitchen and I'd have to grab more of that special wheat bread that they had and why did I when I was released I went out and I bought a whole case of inshore that's what they gave me three times a day they didn't understand that somebody who's anorexic could also you know be a compulsive overeater and my food was never calm after that. I tried to eat the way they wanted me to, but I'd end up eating like an animal in different periods of time. Like maybe I could hold myself off for a while, but then I'd end up eating like an animal, which would lead me into back to starvation. And what a mess. And it wasn't until I eliminated, you know, the sugar and the flour, um, those those ingredients in every form, you know, not soy flour or almond flour, whatever, all of it that everything calmed down and um, my fear went away. Like I wasn't afraid that like it was this big animal inside of me. But I didn't study the doctor's opinion before or this chapter to understand that an allergy is an abnormal reaction and it can oftentimes cause your body to want more and more. I didn't know that as an anorexic. So, you know, just because people are anorexic, um, some of them do have to be treated just like compulsive overeaters because um, I see today I'm involved with certain people, a certain group that tries to recover by eating normally, very little success. I don't see a whole lot of success. A lot of people have no peace with their food. They're constantly battling it, constantly struggling with it. They have cravings and they want more of this and that. I'm just so grateful the food is quiet. And that's the only way I could open myself up to God. When there's any kind of disturbance going on, I'm totally blocked. And today, because of, you know, step 10, the turnarounds, the nightly review, all of that gets cleared up. And my my job is to stay willing to keep it cleared up. You know, if I let things go a little bit too long, it starts eroding my soul, and I have to talk about it. So I'm so grateful for this process and for everybody who works it. And I'm grateful that somebody like me, who didn't look like a compulsive overeater, found this program and, you know, maintaining approximately a 40-pound weight gain, you know, since 2000, whatever, three, six, 2006. 
you know, was hospitalized back in 89, but I never recovered through the whole 90s. I languished until I finally was able to put down those allergy, allergy foods to work the steps. So thank you for letting me share. I pass. Thank you, Leanne S., for your share. And James, you're up, and I don't know your last initial either. Hi, James C. from Ohio. Okay, go ahead. Thank you, James. Despite all that we can say, many who are real alcoholics are not going to believe that they are in this class. By every form of self-deception and experimentation, they tried to prove themselves exceptions to the rule. And, you know, I... (laughs) I, I, I think this really hits it on the head um, for um, just the, the pattern of life and the, the insulation that I've basically lived my life by. Um, you know, I, for, uh, for a long time, I've always believed myself to be blessed, lucky, and could get away with a lot of things. But this was one problem that I couldn't get away with. And, um, you know, I, 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 I actually believe that this would work out on its own because I was a nice guy. And you know it, it, that that nice guy attitude always always got me in trouble because it actually centers in on pride. Um, the idea of pride, I think I'm special. I think I'm unique. I think I'm the exception to the rule. I've gotten away with things that were just phenomenal, and as a result, I, I converted that that escape or that exception to the rule to. Um, excuse me a second. Get back. Okay. Um, I had to get stop my dog there. Um, anyway, um, I had to make myself the exception to, well, believe that I was the exception to the rule and thinking that, wow, that's, that's the way God is dealing with me. So even my, my distortion of how I saw God in that deception uh, was affected. And, um, you know, I, I'd always tell the story. I would tell the story like halfway through. And I guess the best way I can describe this is if, if, you, if you've got your mind on something and you go see a movie and you get to the middle of the movie, you didn't get to see the beginning, but you got to see the middle, you have one perception. You, you don't know where you're at. You're just kind of, you're, kind of, you're kind of half telling the story. Or if you tell the end of the story, you get to the end of the movie and you didn't see the beginning or the middle, you just get to see the end. And the reality of it is that's really just a skewed perception of the way that life is really lived and where we're really at. But I thank God for this, this, um, this, just this, this, this program. You know, I've been relieved from mixing uh, B12s, high doses of B12s, chromium pentate, fat burners, and, and chase it down with vinegar, thinking that that was my solution, if nothing else. And then, you know, I, I, I just want to say that I'm at a place now where I can tell the whole story. You know, Larry brought this up earlier. You know, it is a self-leveling. But more importantly, my pride has been nailed to something that can't escape. I, I now disdain, I have a disdain for my pride. I have a disdain for my, my ego. I have a disdain for my selfishness. Um, lying, telling half the story, telling the end of something, not telling people what it was really like, and, and, and exaggerating. So... Um, all those things are gone. I'm not, I'm not going to say they're gone, but I'm going to say they are deflated to the extent where God now is, is, is really in the equation of the story. I can now tell the story from the beginning to the end. I can use my past for whatever reason, for teaching, for lessons, and for lessons learned. But I appreciate this read today. I appreciate all the shares that have been shared today, everyone's service. Thank God for everybody on this call. And uh, with that, I pass. Thank you, James C. And we're going to move on to the next paragraph. And Kathy Kay, could you read for us, please? 
Thank you, Monica. This is Kathy Kay, a recovered compulsive overeater from Boston. Here are some of the methods we have tried. Drinking beer only, limiting the number of drinks, never drinking alone, never drinking in the morning, drinking only at home, never having it in the house, never drinking during business hours, drinking only at parties, switching from scotch to brandy, drinking only natural wines, agreeing to resign if ever drunk on the job, taking a trip, not taking a trip, swearing off forever with and without a solemn oath, taking more physical exercise, reading inspirational books, going to health farms and sanitariums, accepting voluntary commitment to asylums. We could increase the list ad infinitum. And uh, many of us have already shared on the line some of these. It's just amazing. Uh, The first time I read this paragraph, um, I just thought, well, alcoholics have it a lot worse than I do. And And then I started really looking at myself and my past, and um, sure enough, almost every one of these I have an analogy with food. I'll just mention a few. Um, Reading inspirational books, I I have a whole library full of inspirational books, and every time a new one came out, um, I was so excited, and I... I can remember this like it was yesterday. My hopefulness would skyrocket as I started reading a book that promised me to help me lose weight and to find uh, peace in my life. Um, And by the time I finished reading the book, I might still feel good and confident, but it wasn't long before whatever abstaining I was doing while I was reading the book left me. And it was a vicious cycle that um, I could not stop. I would keep buying new books, reading them, get hopeful, and then feel quite disappointed when when I realized it was not a solution for me. I can remember, you know, one thing that's not on here, which was very common for me, was to take things out of the freezer and eat them frozen, usually sweet things. I can remember throwing things in the garbage because I didn't want to eat them, and then a couple hours later going and taking them out of the garbage. I changed my mind about wanting to eat them. I can remember making so many promises and commitments to myself, and even sometimes to my food sponsors, um, and then breaking those commitments an hour or two later. It's just extraordinary for how many years, even after I came into the rooms of OA, that I was unable to let go of these methods. Um, And it's because, uh, what we know now, it's because of the physical allergy and the mental obsession. I was powerless over those things, and the only thing that was going to enable me to refrain from those negative habits uh, was bringing um, God into my life and surrendering all of this to him. So it's good to remember these things. It's good to remember that 
not all that long ago, um, but long enough ago to forget if I don't continue to study this book and work with other compulsive overeaters. Um, I'm just very, very grateful that um, while these are things we all tried and have in common, we also now have a way to uh, be relieved from them as we work the steps. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kathy Kay. And who would like to share on this paragraph? Charles H. Rachel Rachel W. Reba P. Okay, I heard Charles H. and Rachel, and there was somebody in between Charles and Rachel. Gail P. Something P again. Gail. Gail P. Gail. Gail P. Oh, my goodness, I got it. All right, and I just heard Sarah W. And Reva P. I got Reva. Lynn S. Okay. P. I didn't get Debbie. Debbie T, yes, thank you. Lynn. Debbie, was that T? T is in Tom. Debbie T, Debbie. as in Paul, yes. Oh, Paul, okay. And I no, heard as Lynn. In, as in Tom. Oh, Tom, okay. <laughs> Bear with <laughs> me, y'all. <laughs> okay, this is what we've got for now, and then we'll we'll come back. Charles H, Gail T, Rachel W, Reva P, Sarah W, Debbie T, and I think I heard Lynn. So, Charles, you're up, and then Gail T. Thank you, Monica T., for your service. Charles H., a recovered uh, visionary. Um, it's good to, I ain't going to lie, it was great to sit back and watch all the lions that are killed. Um, yeah, it, it, it's real good because, um, yeah, this part of the big book is very important informative. Try this, try that. We tried all, all this stuff, and... You know, you know what's good about trying all that stuff? It gets you to a point where <laughs> we're on the line um, practicing the practical program of action one day at a time. So the big book is saying we tried all these things, and it's, it, but the only thing it was successful in doing is bringing me, let me keep it on me because I don't know about none of y'all, um, bringing me to a point of, you know what? None of that stuff would work for it would work for a time until it didn't work. See it's all about it's all about the food until it's all about the food until it's not about the food until it's about the program of action. Um you know, I talk to a lot of people and, and you know, myself included, um see I don't have to come on the line in front and be like, you know what, everything is great because if everything is great and everything is beautiful and everything is perfect I'm not human. <laughs> so I'm a, I'm a type of person, I keep it 100% real. I tried some things uh, I could identify with, with this, try to go around it. But, you know, in program, especially the big book, it tells us we, we can go through it. I can't be going around this thing. I can't be dancing around this thing. This thing is serious. People are, are dropping dead, you know, um, from from this disease. It, 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 it don't say, hey, um, you know, such and such died from binging. It says died from all these other things that they're trying right here that didn't work, that they didn't get the good news. So, the, so you know, I, I get in contact with so much people all over the world, and they are recovering because they're buying into this program. They're buying into the first 164 pages. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Charles H. 
Gail T., you're up, and then it'll be Rachel W. Hi, this is Gail T. Thank you, Monica, for your service. Good morning, visionaries. Uh, I'm from Texas. I remember reading a book way back when called When Society is an Addict. And it was it, it was startling to me because and, I, and for me this was I for me I I I have more compassion for myself in my denial because everything in my education and in my socialization was to be self-reliant, pull myself up from my own bootstraps, just be able to do it on my own. And that's how I was supposed to be. So to have this addiction and not be able to do it was such a slap in the face and such a failure. And what, and what I, what I see, let's say, with clients that they they can't get it that they're not strong enough to overcome this and and then even people in in OA sometimes aren't strong enough to admit their resentments and do step 10 through 12 so there's a huge thing about and probably all societies are like this is that there's a huge thing how society raises us so when we admit that we are powerless, it is, a, in my estimation, I don't know about you all, but in my estimation, it is a great, um, it's a great relief. It's a, it's a great step. It's very strong. It takes a strong person when they say you have to smash it. Well, smash doesn't happen by just, you know, pushing it off the table or, or with your fingers, you know, smash is taking a real stand and using strength to say, okay, this is it. So to get into this program takes a lot of courage, which is strength. And I want to, I want to acknowledge myself and everyone else in the program that we were able to separate from that fallacious idea of self-sufficiency. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Gail T. Rachel W., you're up, and then it'll be Reva P. Thank you so much, Monica. Um, this is Rachel W., Recover Compulsive Overeater, um, calling from New York. Um, just wanted to say, you know, this program teaches us that uh, we have to be willing to go to any length. And, you know, as an, as an addict and as uh, my, what my life has shown is, um, you know, I can go to any length. To, to find my binge foods and to make it work so that I can have what I want. Um, I can go to any lengths in terms of um, keeping it down, you know, and in terms of just addressing the food, these scenarios that were just read, you know, avoiding the food as if the food itself was a problem. Um, but, you know, this program teaches me as well that I can, I can go to any lengths in the other way of, of healing as well. And, and um, you know, what it really comes down to is, my choices and my thoughts. You know, what am I thinking when I'm when I'm wanting desperately to just get the food down, and I'm being so good, and why aren't I, you know, losing weight and all this? And and um, you know, it's it's all in my thinking. It's all it's all 
you know, what, what are my thoughts? What are my choices? And so choosing to, to binge or choosing to avoid the food or choosing to view this as what it is, which is a, a physical allergy and a mental obsession, a disease of the mind. So when I take that same energy of desperation of keeping this food down and, and pull back a bit and say, you know, it's not up to me and use the, 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 the tools of this program, use the the, the steps, you know, to heal, then my life looks totally different. You know, I can, I can be um, going to any length to try to keep the food down and, and be crazy from it because I'm only addressing the food. You know, the difference today is when I have an agitation or, or something else that, that is, is challenging me, um, I can say the set-aside prayer. You know, I can ask God to help me set aside everything I think I know about myself, my disease, these steps, and especially God, so that I can always have that open mind and a new experience and in, in these steps. And it's about keeping it new, and it's about keeping it fresh. And that's why when I, when I um, say that I'm grateful, you know what I'm grateful for? I'm grateful for the vibrancy and the, the, um, the way of living, the, uh, you know, the nuclear way of living, the, the, the vibrant um, the vibrancy that comes out of life, you know, when I'm, when I have the food down and when I'm willing to go to any lengths to, to address this as a thinking issue and, and turn my will and my life over to the care of my higher power and, and understand that all of these best efforts just come from a place of pain and frustration and, and that I'm not a bad person because I tried all of them, but rather it just shows that I am willing, that I do have a lot of creativity, um, that, that it, that, you know, explodes when I can put the food down and, and just live my life in, in, you know, in service to others. So thank you for allowing me to share. Thank you, Rachel W. Reva P., you're up, and then it'll be Sarah W. Good morning. This is Reva P., grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Um, I love this paragraph because um, I definitely did most of the methods they're talking about, um, and I really related when I came in that I wasn't the only one. Um, at that time, I didn't know what I didn't know, and the program and the book has educated me and taught me I have an allergy of the body, obsession of the mind, and um, I was chasing, I was chasing all those solutions because I was in self-will run riot, and I didn't know the nature of my um, disease and that I was a real compulsive overeater. This paragraph also reminds me that even today in program, um, I often think the solution is something out there that I need to chase. You know, if I use this template, this checklist, this person, this meeting, this whatever, something outside myself, that will give me the answer. And um, thank you, God, I'm reminded every day that the solution is about asking a power greater than myself, what do you think? Um, and I do that work by working the steps because the first thing I have to do is remove the blocks that block me from that answer. And then the miraculous thing is I'm not chasing or having this frenzy like the tornado run riot that the book talks about um, to get the answer or analyzing to death to figure something out. I do the work, remove the blocks, and then I feel like it's almost like a poof, like the answer just comes. It just comes to me as a result of working the steps. 
So the metaphor of, you know, chasing the books and the mixing this and that, I do the same thing with uh, life issues. And the answer is always do the steps and God will reveal it to me um, when, you know, it's the right time and the right way. With that, I pass. Thank you, Reva P. Sarah W., you're up. And then we may have time for you, Debbie. We may not. So, Sarah W., go ahead. Thank, thank you so much, Monica, for your service. And I'm going to be very brief. Um, you know, I think it's all about chasing pleasure, uh, not wanting to be uncomfortable. Um, and really what we're driving home in this paragraph is we're trying to, again, identify in with some behaviors that we have had. Some, of, some I've had and some I haven't. Many I've had. Uh, but the thing for me is the program is really about uncovering, discovering, and discarding. And when I practice it that way, and when I look around me and I think to myself how different my life is today, I know that's what I want to continue to do. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Sarah W. Oh, Debbie T., you're up. Good morning, Monica. Can you hear me? We, yes, I can. Go ahead. Okay, good morning. Hi, family. Um, thank you very much for your service, Monica. And I just will try to make this quick, too. Um, you know, I was just reading this paragraph and thinking, oh, my gosh, everybody on this line, over 2,000 people, we all have this story. And as I was reading, I was like, oh, my gosh, you know, this is kind of just missing one thing, um, going to OA. You know, that that's, it, it's all I see right here is powerless. Drinking only at parties, powerless. Switching from scotch to bring me powerless. Going to OA, sitting in the room, being quote-unquote abstinent, powerless. I still didn't know. I, you know, I, all I heard was this is the last house on the block. And, you know, that me sitting there in this room, I, I didn't, that was it. Like, if this is it, then this is it, then what do I do? And, oh, my gosh, somebody, um, you know, brought me into to vision. And um, I, I got an amazing, beautiful vision sponsor and took me to, you know, the pages that I need to go to. And it, and it went down to powerlessness. It went down to step one. And it was just put the food down, no matter what it was, no matter what ingredient it was humbling myself to be like, okay, this is it, this is it. And I remember the day I put it down, and that was it. And God just came in. And I just want to share one more thing. Like if you are a newcomer and you've been in OA and you just feel hopeless and you feel like this is not working, it does work. You just have to get honest and you have to humble yourself. And that last ingredient might be Brussels sprouts. Like it doesn't matter. Like we don't get to choose. Um. So humbling yourself and being like, God, take it all, he comes in in those moments. And it sounds funny because, you know, my God is huge. And, and, and they're like, what do you mean Brussels sprouts? Like, you, you want my Brussels sprouts? He wants your Brussels sprouts. Like, whatever that is that is blocking you because it's not about the food. So once I got, you know, I'll kind of turn it back on me. Once I got back and realized what I was doing and realized I was, could no longer argue uh, with the food and argue with God what my food could be when I took step one the way I needed to take it. He has guided me through this entire process. I needed to be open up. Um, so, yeah, that that's, that's um, all I wanted to share. So if you are a newcomer, just stay here. Um, 
step one, doctor's opinion, and with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Debbie T. And I'm sorry, Lynn, we have come to the end of our time here this morning. Maybe you can share in the next hour. Thank you to everyone who has shared. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And Chrissy M., can you please read for us from A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Hi, this is Chrissy M., recovered compulsive reader and anorexic. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is a great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the route of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.